So to begin our message today, I want to invite you to close your eyes and to picture the best version of what church should be or could be. So uh, you don't have to, but if you feel comfortable, I'd love you to just close your eyes and imagine what you think the best version of church could be. For some of us, that picture might be linked to something that we have been a part of in the past. So there might be some images that come to mind for us of uh, other churches that we've been a part of or experiences that we've had here at Brooklyn Park Church of Christ. For some of us, it might be pictures that we're hoping might be a part of what the church could look like. It's kind of that yearning that we have that every week we come together, we hope that that's kind of where we're going to end up. For some of us, those pictures might look like programs. So the picture that you might have might be something that resembles something similar to what we're doing now where we're gathering together for a service or it might be something like Leonie talked about, gathering in a small group. For some of us, it might be about a building or a facility. And the picture of an ideal version of what a church looks like might be about the space or the environment in which people can gather together. But my suspicion is that for most of us, regardless of what those pictures are, there are people that are a part of it. And that there's a sense of being able to know that we have a close relationship with those people. That there's a sense of honesty and vulnerability that the people who are in those pictures are people that we know that we can count on. People that we know that we can journey with. For some of us there might even be specific pictures of people that we know we've been through a lot together. We've grown through a lot together. We've processed through things and so there's this amazing sense of connection that comes from that. I also suspect that that's not just a picture that's true for us, but that as we think about the people that are all around us, the people in our streets, the people who are in our families, the people who are in our workplaces, the people at school, people at uni, that all of them actually crave something similar. And they might use different language than we would use, but that there is this deep yearning and craving that all of us have to belong to a group of people where we can be real and we can be honest, where we can be vulnerable, where we can just journey together and work through all the stuff that life is all about. And so the challenge for us is to say, well, if that's the ideal picture of what church should be, what does it take for us to be able to get from where we are now to something that resembles what those pictures are. And so that's what we're going to spend a bit of time digging into today as we continue this series where we're working through what it looks like for us to focus on the key elements of us being church together. Last week we talked about what it means for us to be Jesus-centred and to have Jesus at the centre of everything that we're about. We talked about the reality that everything that we do ultimately comes back to Jesus. That Jesus is the one who shows us what God is like. Jesus is the one who shows us how to live the lives that we were created to be able to live. And so we want to centre ourselves on what it means to follow him and in doing so to be able to experience the peace that we know that God has for us. Today we're going to spend some time unpacking what it looks like to embrace the idea of spiritual family, to recognise that if we do want to continue to grow, then we need to be in some version of what the best picture of family looks like. And in particular we're going to unpack four key words that we often use when we talk about spiritual family, authentic, accepting, uh, encouraging and supportive. 
And then next week we're going to finish by talking about what it looks like for us to focus on seeing lives change. That we believe that God is passionate about transformation in our lives. That God wants all of us to be able to experience hope and joy and peace and love in our lives. And that God's passionate about all of the people around us experiencing that too. And that he chooses to use us as individuals and us collectively as a church to be able to help people to experience that transformation. So you can feel free to grab your teaching notes if you haven't already out of Connect News so that you can jot things down as we go through today's message. And uh, if you've got your Bible with you, you can also open up to Romans chapter 12 because that's where we're going to go in a couple of moments. I mentioned last week when we kicked off this series that uh, we're spending a bit of time in the book of Romans through this series. And uh, last week we recognised that in the first two-thirds of the book of Romans, which is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome, Paul, who was one of the leaders in the early church, wrote this letter. And the first 11 chapters are really him unpacking the reality that none of us can do enough to be able to live a perfect life. That all of us make mistakes, all of us mess up, all of us at the end of the day have selfish motives and all of that gets in the way of us being able to love perfectly 100% of the time, which is what God wants for us to be able to do. But the good news, as we talked about last week, is that we don't have to. It's not up to us to try and earn our way into God's family. Jesus comes along and does everything that's necessary for us to be able to experience that. And then Paul begins to unpack just how astoundingly amazing that is to recognise that now there's nothing that can get in the way of us being able to have a full, complete relationship with God, which is staggeringly good news. As we turn the page into chapter 12, Paul then starts to talk about practical application. And so Romans 12, or the rest of Romans, is then saying, so what does all of this mean? And what does it look like for us to live out of the reality of what he's just spent all of this time unpacking? And so this week and next week, that's what we're going to have a look at. So today we're going to have a look at Romans 12, starting at verse 9. Paul writes, don't just pretend to love others, but really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honouring each other. It's probably helpful that today, being Valentine's Day, that we remind ourselves about what love is really all about. That Jesus tells us, and Paul then follows on with this line of thinking, that love is a choice that leads to action. And that's an important reminder for us because in our culture, we can very easily get swept up in thinking that love is a feeling and an emotion that just kind of comes and goes. And if we listen to the music that's around us, if we watch most of the movies that are in front of us and the TV shows that we've got, and particularly as we tap into a lot of the sentiment that's attached to Valentine's Day, we can think that love is just this thing that sweeps us off our feet. And it's so amazing and we experience rainbows and butterflies and chocolate sparkles everywhere and life is great until it goes away. And when love disappears, then our world ends and we come crashing down and everything's awful and dark and bleak. That's the picture of what love looks like according to our culture. But Jesus tells us that no, love is actually something that is a choice that we make on a daily basis that leads us to tangible action. And so Paul follows on from this to say, so because of that, don't just pretend to love people, but really love them. Other translations talk about loving with genuine affection. And if we go back to some older translations, they talk about loving without hypocrisy. 
which is a really, really helpful thing for us to unpack because hypocrisy back in Paul's day, the word hypocrite was actually the word that was used for an actor who wore a mask. So in Paul's day, obviously, you couldn't go to a movie theatre to be able to watch a movie. So if you wanted to kind of get swept up in a story, then you would go and you would see a play acted out in front of you, probably in an open-air theatre. And because there weren't lots and lots of actors, often the actors would wear would play multiple roles. And so that you could stay on track and know which role was being played, they would wear different masks. And so they would, when they were playing one role, hold a mask up, and then when they would switch roles, they would change to a different mask. And therefore you'd be able to keep up with what was going on as the play was unfolding. But the point of all that, obviously, was to hide the real person and to be able to just see this person that was in front of you that was being acted out. So it makes sense that we then have taken that word hypocrite to use it in the context that we use it, where it is about us putting on a mask and pretending to be something that we're not. We know that when we choose to wear masks, that does get in the way significantly of us being able to love authentically and honestly the way that Jesus wants us to. And particularly over this last year, we've had lots of experiences with masks. We're still wearing masks as a part of our services. Uh, We know that in other parts of the country and certainly in other parts of the world, they have gone months and months and months where every interaction that you've had with someone has involved this and a sense of not being able to see the real person. And we know how much of a difference that that makes. We can't interact with them properly. We can't really understand where they're coming from and what's going on. It puts this barrier between us and them. So it's an interesting question for us to wrestle with why it is that we so often choose to put on a mask in our interactions with other people. For some of us, we do that because we don't want other people to know that we're struggling. We don't like the, other, the idea that other people would know that we don't have it all together, that there's some parts in our life that aren't really going as well as we'd like them to, and so we put on a mask to kind of hide that away. For some of us, we put on a mask because we worry about whether people will accept us. If they knew the real me, if they knew what was really going on inside, then they would probably not want to spend time with me. They would probably not like me, so I'll keep my mask on. For others of us, we have been hurt when we've taken our masks off and people have turned their back on us or people haven't helped us the way that we hoped that we would be helped when we've gone through difficult times and so that means that we're really hesitant to ever think about doing that again. But if we want to be the best version of what church looks like, if we want to be the best version of what a spiritual family looks like, then we have to embrace the reality that that requires all of us to take our masks off. And two of the words that we often use when we talk about spiritual family are authentic and accepting. And we believe that if we can live out the best version of what that looks like as a church family together, then that will give us more freedom to take our masks off. Being a place that's authentic means that we are a place where people can be real, where people can be vulnerable, where people can be honest, where we can let our guard down, where we don't have to pretend to be something that we're not, that we're not, We can be the real us. But that requires an environment that is accepting, a place where we know that we're going to be accepted as the real us, regardless of where we're coming from, regardless of our background, our beliefs, regardless of what's going on in our lives. We need to know that we're going to be able to be accepted and that this is still a place that we belong even when we take our masks off. 
So when we talk about the idea of being spiritual family, those are two things that we hold up very strongly, that we believe that if we want to create an environment like that, where we can remove our masks, then we need to be able to be authentic and we need to be able to be accepting. Paul then continues in verse 11, and he writes, Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. So Paul says, as we go about doing this, as we go about the idea of loving authentically, we want to do that enthusiastically. Not do it begrudgingly, not do it out of obligation, but do it with a sense of excitement. Be eager to practice hospitality, Paul tells us. The message translation of this says, keep yourselves fueled and aflame, which is a beautiful picture of what that looks like. And the reason why the message latches onto that is some old language that says, do all of this fervently. Now, the word fervent in its original context was actually about water that has come to the boil. That's what something that's fervent is. It's something that's just boiling away. And that's a really helpful image for us to think about as we unpack this idea of what it means to be enthusiastically, eagerly loving one another. Because we can sometimes fall into the trap with that of thinking, oh, great. Now I've got to get myself up to be excited and enthusiastic about coming along to a service or seeing those people or doing whatever it is that I need to do. I've got to create this sense of excitement about what that looks like. But boiling water doesn't boil because the water chooses to get hot. Boiling water boils because it's close to the fire. And the fire is what generates the heat that then creates the bubbles that causes the water to boil. And that's what Paul's really trying to say here, is that our goal should be to stay close enough to Jesus that he gets the bubbles going inside of us to tap into the heat that comes from staying close to Jesus as our fire that then keeps us fueled and aflame. But we can actually take that a step further and say we also have the privilege of being able to be fires for each other and to create sparks that help other people to stay fueled and aflame, to be able to recognise that we have the opportunity to help each other boil away and embrace what God has got for us to be able to do. And so there's two ways that we talk about being able to do that, being encouraging and being supportive. Encouraging is a word that we often think of. Encouragement is kind of saying something nice about someone else. So, you know, what encouragement normally looks like, someone giving you a pat on the back and saying, thank you for doing that, you did a really, really great job. But encouragement at its core is actually about giving courage. That's what the word means in its original context, to give courage to someone else. And so, yes, giving someone a pat on the back helps to give them courage to keep going. But encouragement also looks like calling out the best in other people, being able to say, I see this in you. I'm so grateful for you because of these things that you bring into our context together or these things that you do for someone else I think are really, really amazing. And you may not even be aware of the impact that you're having, but it's really, really significant. So when we talk about encouragement, it's all of those things, not just saying nice things to each other, but saying how do we actively give courage to each other to continue to take the steps that we need to take so that we can continue to grow. And Paul also talks about the idea of us being patient in trouble, not quitting in hard times, praying as hard as we can, practising hospitality. Other translations talk about being inventive in hospitality. 
In verse 15, a couple of verses later, Paul says to laugh with those who laugh and cry with those who cry. And we sum all of that up together with the word supportive. To be able to say that's what support looks like. Support means that when I'm going through a hard time, I know there's a group of people who will come along and enter into that with me. And when I get some good news and there's some good things that are happening, I know there's some people who will celebrate that with me. And that's really important because sometimes we feel this sense of pressure that support looks like us having all the answers for someone else who's going through a difficult time. But Paul doesn't say anything about have the right answers ready and prepared so that you can solve other people's problems. He says, cry with those who cry and laugh with those who laugh. Support simply means that we enter into each other's experiences and say, that must be really hard, or that's really amazing. Let me wrap my arms around you. I know you're going through something difficult. Or give me a high five, because that's really, really awesome, that thing that's happening in your life. When we choose to be encouraging and when we choose to be supportive, that helps to fuel the flames for each other. That helps to bring the sparks that then enable us to be enthusiastic about the things that Jesus wants us to be able to do together. Now, one of the big challenges with all of this is that sometimes we can then think all of this means that we have to be best friends with everyone. And it's one of the biggest challenges that churches often face is that when we talk about this idea of being spiritual family, we get to this idea that it means that, oh, okay, that means I've got to love everyone, which means everyone's got to be the same level of friend with me that I am with everyone else. And we know that's just not how relationships work. If you're a part of an extended family or if you have an extended friendship group, you know that there are some people that you get on really, really well with that you have shared interests, you have a similar sense of humour, you just love hanging out together, you get on really, really well. And you know that there are some people who that's not the case, that they might rub you the wrong way sometimes or you just don't get on or you don't have common interests or you're just at different seasons of life, whatever it might be, but you still are family. You still are a part of the same extended friendship network. And in a healthy family... That's our approach, is that we say, even though we're not necessarily best friends with everyone, we still love and care for each other. That if someone's going through a hard time, we're there for them. We still extend love to each other. We still want to create a space where people feel like they can be real, where they can belong. And so for a group that's the size that we are, that's going to be the reality. We can't all be friends with everyone the same way. We all do have different interests, different stages of life and all sorts of different things going on. It doesn't mean that we can't be the best version of family that loves and cares for each other, even though we're not necessarily best friends. So I want you to think back to that picture that you had at the beginning of the message. Try and bring that back to the front of your mind. My hope is that in what we have looked at through these verses that Paul's talked about, we've touched on some of the characteristics and maybe given some language to some of the images that you had. That's some of the things that you were seeing there. The challenge for all of us is to recognise that if we want to work towards what that picture is, it requires all of us to make a choice to work towards what that picture is. One of the challenges here is that it's relatively easy, and I can find myself often doing this, where I would say, yes, if everyone else would just do that, everything would be so fantastic. Everything would be amazing. I don't understand why everyone else doesn't do this. 
I don't need to, but I wish everyone else would. And the problem is that if too many of us start to have that mindset, then none of it ends up happening and none of us get to experience any of it. If we want to create an environment like that, it means that each of us need to make a decision and a choice to say, I'm going to enter into this. I'm going to choose to live this out as a part of our spiritual family. But we also have to recognise that some of the things that we've touched on this morning can't happen in the time that we spend together just on a Sunday. And this, again, is where we can sometimes feel pressure as a church, that everything's got to happen in this time that we spend together here. Now, we hope that some of it does happen and we hope that in the time that you can connect before and afterwards in the conversations we have and some of the things that we do together, that we can experience some of these things. But for us to experience the best version of it, it comes back to what we talked about earlier with Leonie, that it needs us being in smaller groups. Opportunities for us to be with three, four, five, maybe up to ten people where we can journey together on a regular basis where we can take the time to remove our masks, to be real and honest and authentic, something that's a bit hard to do when there's this many people, a place where we know that we belong, a place where we can genuinely encourage each other because we know what's happening in other people's lives and a place that we can support each other in tangible ways. That can't happen even in a church that's the size that we are. It requires us to make a decision to say, I'm going to commit to a smaller group of people to be able to journey together. And so that's why connect groups are so important for us and something that we feel like we need to place a greater emphasis on as we head into this year. Now, connect groups are a time where we use some intentional questions to be able to dig into some of this to help create that framework. Well, we talk about what we mentioned last week, the idea of God's peace, and to be able to say, where are you experiencing God's peace in your life? And what's getting in the way of you being able to experience God's peace? to be able to unpack what it is that we're learning through these times that we spend together, but through the reading plans that we do as we head into Lent, through the other things that we're coming across in our lives, what are the things that we're processing? And to be able to say, here's the next step that I want to be able to take as I head into this week, and I'd love you to pray for me and cheer me on in that and hold me accountable to that as I step into this week. So I want to give you the opportunity to do a little bit of reflecting on what that looks like for you as we begin this new year. And so here's our reflection question that we'll spend a couple of moments on. What's my next step in helping us to be the best version of spiritual family that we can be? What's my next step in helping us together to be the best version of spiritual family as we head into this year? For some of us, it could be attached to one of those words. So for some of us, we might be feeling challenged about what it looks like for us to be authentic. And that as we step into this year to say, what does it look like for me to just take my mask off or even just take my mask off a little bit and to let people see more of the real me? For some of us, it could be about this idea of being accepting. What does it look like for me to be proactive in helping other people to feel like this is a place where they belong? and where they're accepted. Even if they're different from me, even if they've got different beliefs, different background, a whole bunch of things that we don't necessarily agree on, how can we accept each other? For some of us, it could be about focusing on what it means to encourage. To say, every time that I come along on a Sunday, or at least once every week, I'm gonna take the time to encourage somebody. To not just say something nice to them and give them a pat on the back, but to be able to say, I want to say how much I appreciate you for this reason. 
or I see this in you, or I was so grateful that you did this thing, or did you know the impact that you're having because of this? But to be intentional about setting that as a goal each week. For some of us, it could be about being supportive and saying, I'm going to take the initiative to reach out to people who I know might be going through a hard time, to be able to send someone a text message or to give them a call or to send them a card, to be able to say, I know that you're going through a hard time and I'm thinking of you. Or when we know that people are having celebrations in their lives, to be able to reach out to them and say, hey, I join you in your celebration. I laugh with you as you laugh during this season. For some of us, that might be about the idea of joining a connect group or at least exploring that and saying, well, I'm going to give it a go and try it out a few times and see what comes out of that. And for others, it might just be a little bit of a shift in our mindset to talk about the recognition that it is about all of us doing this together. And I know that last year, some of you, when we talked about this idea of being spiritual family, that some of you made an intentional shift to say, I know that sometimes I can think that Brooklyn Park is kind of that place that I go to, or it's kind of someone else's church. But I'm going to intentionally shift my mindset to say, this is my spiritual family. And I know that for some of you, that was a significant mindset shift that then changed the way that you approached all of last year. And we have really benefited from that decision that you made to say, this is my church. This is my spiritual family, not just that place that I go to or not just someone else's church. And so for some of us that might be saying, it's not up to everyone else to try and do this. What's the role that I've got to be able to play? Lastly, for some of us, it could be just about telling others about this and saying, I'm so grateful that I've got a spiritual family where I can be real and honest, where I can let my guard down, where I know that I belong, where I am encouraged, where I am supported. Is that something that you're looking for? Genuinely believe that there are lots of people around us who are craving this. There are so many people who don't have anywhere in their life where they can be real and honest, don't have a place they feel like they can belong, don't have people who encourage them or support them. We can give that to them as a gift. And so part of this might be about saying, who's in my life that I could have a conversation with as we move into this year? Lots and lots of options there. Hopefully one of those is helpful for you. And I want to give you the time to be able to just jot something down or talk to the person next to you, and then we'll come back and wrap up and uh, transition to communion. So take some time to reflect.
So there's one last resource that I want to give you as we head into this week. So uh, we last week had our spiritual health checkup about what it looks like for us to be Jesus-centred. This week we've got one that is focused on spiritual family. And so at the end of the service you'll be able to grab one of these on your way out. And uh, if you weren't here last week or you haven't seen these before, this is not a test So it's not supposed to make you feel bad about all the areas that you're inadequate, but it's simply a way of being able to say, here's a whole bunch of statements about what we've unpacked today and a little bit more about what it means for us to be spiritual family. And so how am I going in all of those different areas? And the chance for you to give yourself a bit of a rating in that to say, yeah, I'm doing okay in this area or I'm feeling a bit challenged in this area. But importantly, to have a look at the back page and to be able to reflect on the questions there, to say out of all of this, are there some key themes that come through? Uh, There are a couple of things that I sense Jesus is challenging me about as I head into this year. So if you weren't here last week and you didn't get one of the Jesus-centred ones and you want one, uh, come and see me and I'll give you one. Uh, But please grab one of the spiritual family ones on your way out today. We're going to pray and then we'll transition across to communion. God, we thank you that the picture that you have always had for us is of family. That at the beginning of creation, when you sat down to think about what this all looks like, the picture that you had was of us being able to be a part of your family. And Jesus, we thank you that you have done everything necessary for us to be swept up into that family, to be able to experience all that God has for us as we journey together as family. We know that so often we put things in the way of that, that by our own choices or the stuff that's going on in our lives, we can often stop ourselves and other people from experiencing the best version of what family looks like. And we also know that sometimes we can just get distracted with life and with all the stuff that we do, including all the stuff that we do as a church that can get in the way of us being able to focus on this primary calling that you've got for us to be the best version of what family can be. And so as we move into this year, my prayer is that you would continue to challenge us about what it looks like for us to be authentic, to remove our masks, to reveal the real us, to be a place that is incredibly accepting, that regardless of where people are coming from, regardless of where they're at in their spiritual journey, regardless of what's going on for them, they feel like this is home. A place that is encouraging, a place where we do feel like we're close to the fire and we can feel the bubbles starting to boil away. And a place that is supportive, a place that we know that we can come and we can share the challenges we're going through and know that we've got people who will enter into that with us and a place where we can celebrate the good things in life together. We know that all of that happens the most as we focus on you, Jesus. And so as we head into this week, as we head into this year, our prayer is that you would continue to take us deeper in that individually and together as a church family. In your name we pray. Amen.